welcome in uh, Eric, who is the uh, creator and admin of boulder-hill.net. Eric, it's good to have you back. Thanks for having me on again, guys. I'm very excited. But it's still an origin story, and I like that we get to learn where Mask came from. So the first one really had the best story for me. I felt like the second one probably had the best artwork. Select the mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason G, DJ, movie writer, 80s guru, vehicle code name, Frontier. Wyatt B, sound engineer, movie writer, airman, vehicle code name, Dakota. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome listeners to MassCast number 28, where we will be reviewing the mini-comics from Mask, and we will have a special guest to sit in with us and, and talk about the comics. Uh, my name is Jason, and first let me introduce my co-host, the Megatron to my Starscream, Mr. Wyatt. How are you? That's pretty good. I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of the rogue uh, Decepticon, and you're the you're the head this 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 week. I see. To what do I owe this honor? <laughs> well, I was He-Man. You know, one of the other episodes, and you were Man at Arms. So That's true. I had to I had to make you uh, head guy this time. Well, you know, it's kind of fitting because you know Megatron was a rifle, at least in the, the old series some kind of right. weapon and Soundwave was the cassette player and it's kind of fitting because you're the we're just, you know you're the 80s guy here so and that's your <laughs> logo for your your blog but you know, it works out yeah it, I guess it does with the weapon thing you know I'm in the military so you know I get to play true, with the weapons true. but if you watch uh, Transformers Prime uh, Megatron's a plane yeah that that just doesn't and the, uh, and the movie. I know, that's just messed up. <laughs> Where's the gun? I know. Uh, I guess guts anyway. Outdated. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, just enough about Transformers. We'll get back at the, uh, the 80s property at hand, that is Mask. And uh, let's welcome in uh, Eric, who is the uh, creator and admin of boulder-hill.net. Eric, it's good to have you back. Thanks for having me on again, guys. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's it's becoming a, a tradition here where we're going to have you on every 19th episode. <laughs> is, <laughs> that, is that what the count is? Well, I guess it's actually it's not quite 19th, but uh, we had you on for Mass 19. This is 28, so okay. I guess maybe nine or so episodes we'll we'll have you on. <laughs> so how you been? Uh, I've been great. Uh... Not as much time for Mask as I wish. Uh, moved, so that took a minute. Had to move the collection over, you know. But uh, otherwise, everything's been really good. Great. Did you get your girlfriend to bubble wrap everything for you? I bubble wrapped it myself. I don't know. 
Yeah, she was probably like, "Yeah, you wrapped that crap yourself." <laughs> I don't. I don't think I could stand having you know eyes rolled in my direction that many times when I say, "Be careful, be careful." <laughs> oh my! Well, it's it's good to to have you back on and uh, to go a little bit deeper into the the comic world. Um, Something very I guess close to my heart. Yes, yes, and we've I think we kind of hinted at that in uh, um, when we had you on for the interview. Yeah, but uh, I guess tell us a little bit about um, your collection and uh, your comic collection specifically. Yeah, well, I've been a I've been a comic book collector for probably twenty something years now. Um, you know, my dad got me started young. First hit was free, I guess. Uh, now I got to pay for them myself. But I've had copies of the mass comics for years. Um, I actually have two copies of most of them because for a very long time I had lost my original copies. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know out there, the the mass comics don't fetch that high of a price, luckily. Um, So I was able to pick up another set of them uh, without losing too much money. Uh, And I've also got the... Mini comics, of course, which are featured on my website under the comics tab. And then something that's not on there right now, actually, that's pretty cool is uh, one of the original art pages from one of the mass comics, the, uh, the American comics that were released by DC. It's one of the later pages from issue number two. And uh, it's got three different vehicles. It's got Firefly, Outlaw, and Rhino all on it. And then it also has uh, Bruce Sato and Julio Lopez visible on it. So it's it's a really cool action page. Nice. Yeah, I was able to get that on eBay uh, maybe a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And um, I haven't framed it yet. I know it's a total shame. I need to do that because it's a really great piece. And it's obviously unique because it's the original art. Yeah. So that's probably the coolest thing I have in my collection in terms of comic books, uh, you know, and it's definitely one of a kind. Do you have any of the uh, European comics, UK? No, I really, I really want them because from what I've seen, the story and the art are both fantastic. The art especially is really, really well done. Um, I think it's black and white mostly, but it's, you know, that almost right. the artist put more effort into his drawing because he knows that you know there's no colors to pick up anything he leaves out um unfortunately because they really only came out in europe finding them over here in the united states is pretty hard and then finding them in the in the uk and then trying to bring them over here has been really difficult and expensive and so just haven't had a chance to do that also it's really hard to find out exactly how many issues there were because the mass comics uh, over there went through a couple publishers. I, I guess right. at one point, I, I know it was like Fleetway or Fleet, and then also Eagle. And I guess one of them just changed. One of the publishers changed names, and then I don't know. It's a big mess. And yeah, it, it's it's kind of hard to to really follow it. And that's why I was glad that um, you posted that little story with. Uh, Scott, who has the Mass Comics blog, that he's kind of going through the the UK comics that he has in his collection. He's from Scotland. Uh, seems like a really nice guy. I've 
communicated with him uh, through email a few times. And uh, mm-hmm. like you said, he's just going through his collection and uh, trying to build up his website. So I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to seeing the comics. I, I'm lucky to have a few of the ones that when they were joined with Eagle Magazine. And let me tell you, they are pretty spectacular. They're, they're quite a lot bigger to begin with. And then, you know, like you said, the art kind of blows you away. The the format you're saying, they're more like a magazine size, aren't they? Yes, 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 they are. It's like a if you've ever uh, if you get ESPN the magazine, it's uh, just about that size. Okay. And uh, it, they're really cool. I was lucky; I found them on uh, the eBay UK site, and uh, it was it wasn't actually wasn't too expensive. Uh, it cost me. It was a, a, I think about three or four dollars an issue, and I got I think twelve of the issues, including the uh, the very first one. So I, that's why I kind of jumped at that. Uh, been stashing those away, waiting to kind of go through them. I read a few of them, and I've just been kind of saving them to uh, mm-hmm. I don't know for a rainy day or or maybe when we can go over them uh, on the website or on MassCast. But and then I was lucky. Uh, to find a pretty good deal, I like you said, they are rather um, uh, cheap. <laughs> uh, if you find them on like eBay in, in one of the larger comic stores, and then you know where you get the the deal where it's one price for shipping and then as many comics as you want to load up in your shopping cart there. But um, I, my Christmas present to Wyatt was uh, all of the DC comics. Oh, very. So uh, so he could. Uh, read up on them <laughs> right and it, you know that was a great christmas present there i really was uh, thrilled to, to get it he, even though he hinted at it uh, <laughs> i mean i was still ecstatic to to actually get them when when the box showed up very nice that's that's very i mean there isn't new a lot of new mask stuff coming out so new to you is just very special just as good yeah exactly yeah that's awesome yeah and uh it, I don't know. I I think they're good. I and like I, I'm not like a, um, I haven't been a comics fan for a, a number of years. Um, just within the last, I would say, three years, I've started collecting some. And Mask obviously was one of them. And sure, uh, I've gotten a few that are just kind of ones that I would like probably more than other people. Like I got the, I think the A Team released the. Three or four total back in the day. It was a really short series, and uh, I've got some of the Thundercats. And there was one uh, series that combined Transformers and GI Joe. I've got that one, the World War Two one or the modern one. There were two of them. It was, uh, I think, it was the modern one. This was like a four comic books uh, series. Okay. That was uh, Transformers and GI Joe, but. That's pretty much the extent of my collection besides uh, some of the mass comics that I have, too. So. I have a huge collection, sadly. I say sadly because, like I said, I just moved and I got to experience moving all those boxes. <laughs> um, There's about 24 or 25 boxes worth of comics. Um, and part of the move was deciding that I needed to trim that down. And I got rid of about three boxes worth, so yeah, I'm a little thinner, but... Those G.I. Joe Transformer ones are great. They're really good 80s stuff. If you can get a chance to find the World War II series set in World War II, uh-huh. 
the artwork is kind of dark, but it's really gorgeous, and it's really cool to see all the Transformers kind of envisioned more as World War II type of stuff. Oh, nice. So, and uh, I think that one was, it was also a short run, you know, it was maybe four, five, or six issues. It's not, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, you're not, not telling you to go invest in a hundred comics or anything crazy. <laughs> right. That's, and that's the, my approach. I like to, I'm collecting the, uh, the short series comics, you know, four or five, six, uh, comics, and then, uh, moving on to something else, but. But anyway, that was uh, that was neat to hear, and uh, I guess let's talk a little bit about what we're going to do tonight, and we're going to go through each of the three uh, mini-comics, and we'll basically split them up. They're, they're 15 pages long, uh, nothing on the back covers, so we're going to split them up into five pages, and each of us will kind of walk through the section, and anytime anybody wants to, to chime in about a certain thing that... that you know, jumped out at them or whatever during the comic, feel free to do that. And we'll, at the end, just kind of wrap it up and, and ask kind of the questions, uh, does the comic fit in the Mask universe um, or, you know, would have have made a good cartoon episode uh, for the animated series? So that should be fun to, to kind of compare the two. So you guys ready to begin? We're ready. I'm very excited. Let's do it. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's jump in. I'll start off with uh, with the first few pages of comic number one, which was entitled "Flaming Beginnings." The cover is pretty good. I enjoyed the cover. Um, almost looks like that Rhino is on fire. A lot of billowing smoke, or it just could have been, you know, traveling down the road and the the dust coming up from behind. But there's a lot of heavy fire going off. Mayhem's zooming in with his uh, with switchblade and firing away, Matt's firing back at him, and you got the uh, the Rhino missile going off, the the grill extended, some good action uh, there on the cover. Yeah, I definitely can... just want to jump in and agree with you on that. Sure. I, th- I thought the art through all three of the comics was pretty well done, especially, you know, if this was a free comic that just came with your toy. Uh, right. And the, the the overall art was good, but the art on the vehicles was really good, really great. Um, probably because they want to sell the toys back to the kids, <laughs> exactly. so you want it to exactly. you want it to look really cool. But just from the cover, like I was excited. Yeah, the the covers on each of them kind of just sucked you right in, and and like you said, you know, for being a free comic that came with the toys, um, they hired somebody good. And I have you ever determined or has anybody ever determined who was kind of behind the comics because I don't really see it uh, I, I see some initials at the end well on uh, uh, page two not you know, kind of fast forward but on page two you got a CPG products corporation uh, who is trademarking mask here on, on these mini comics yeah. mm-hmm. but there's still a division of Kenner so it looks like Kenner yeah. still owns this Overall, they own this comic, at least this mini comic. Yeah. I didn't really, didn't really do my homework on uh, on kind of the background of who who drew them and uh, where the stories came from and such. But it's not something I looked into either. I was I was mostly focusing on them themselves. And it you know it may be that it's not credited anywhere because it's meant for a toy and not you know a traditional for sale comic book. Sure. Well, uh, going into page two. Um, we have Switchblade 
uh, zooming in with this uh, green biplane right in front of them, and it says high above the desert in Boulder Hill, Nevada. Uh, we have Miles Mayhem sets in motion a diabolical venom scheme. And we cut down to the bottom half of the page. It shows Mayhem pushing a button. The, the plane in front of him bursts into flames. And we got Miles saying, Mask doesn't know it yet, but I've just given them front row seats at their own fiery finish. So we know that something's up with the plane. As we go over to, I guess, what is page two, um, we have uh, Bruce Sato and Matt Tracker rushing from the bunker which is Mask's secret headquarters, it says. Uh, Matt's yelling out to Bruce, Bruce, it looks like that pilot ejected just in time. And Bruce says back to Matt, yeah, Matt, but he landed hard enough to dig his own grave. And we have this picture of the, the pilot and a parachute and him landing basically on his head. <laughs> I don't know how he's uh, alive. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That was. And what happened with the parachute that he landed flat on his head? Well, but, uh, I know I know one of us has a little bit of military experience. Can you please explain why he doesn't have a helmet and why he lands upside down? Uh, <laughs> stupid and a strap broke. I, that's all I got. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I also found uh, this page in particular jumped out. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on here that to a mask fan I thought was really interesting. And in that one, the first comic introduction we have, um, Matt is not in his normal Thunderhawk grays. Right. Yes. He's in he's in his Ultra Flash Rhino Reds. And two, despite on the previous page them saying that they're in Boulder Hill, Nevada, they call the base the bunker. And actually throughout the rest of this comic, they don't ever call it Boulder Hill. They don't call the base Boulder Hill. Right. So I thought that was two things that I'm guessing because it was early on, you know, they hadn't released the playset yet and the t- the TV series or whatever, hadn't gotten moving yet, that they maybe didn't have that sorted out yet. But I thought that was, you know, interesting to see sort of a pre-TV show, pre-everything set piece of information. Yeah. Yeah, that is very interesting. Um, and another reason why I, I kind of started with these mini-comics first, because um, I thought they were probably the earliest of everything that was released as far as the, the comic series goes. Definitely. So, yes, very good point there. Um, let's skip on down to this the bottom half, page two. Uh, Matt says to Bruce, wait, he's not dead. His eyes are open. We better rush him inside for some first aid. And Bruce says, that fall should have killed him. He must have been born with a rabbit's foot in each hand. <laughs> so that was uh, interesting. That sounds very Bruce-like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Flip on over to page three. We have the, the latter part of that where it says each hand coming through Mayhem's uh, radio in Switchblade. So he's basically using what we would later find out, this robot, to with some kind of listening device to listen into their conversation. And uh, Mayhem says, that's right, Tracker, take care of him. Your kindness will be Mask's destruction. So he's he's setting a, a trap, in other words. Um, we skip on down to the bottom half of page three. Bruce says, this poor guy's only a teenager, Matt. You keep looking as if you know him. And Matt says, he, he reminds me of my kid brother, Andy, and how we all started 
before there was Mask and a Venom. And then we basically head right into this flashback um, that Matt is having that's kind of came about by remembering his brother Andy. Right. Which he really, there's no no trace of Andy in the cartoon, only, I guess, in the, uh, in just in the comics. No, this is completely different. Um, you also, you know, Mayhem knows who Matt Tracker is. He knows his name right. um, and all that. Whereas, despite the fact that they encounter each other for 75 episodes, Miles Mayhem never shows a drop of recognition of Matt or Bruce or Alex or any of these people who constantly show up. I mean, he's always yeah. shocked that it's the same group of guys. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, there's been a couple episodes where I was kind of peeved that uh, Mayhem didn't know who, like, for instance, Scott and T-Bob were. Well, that's the worst. Um uh, Right. That was. Uh, <laughs> How often can they show up before you recognize the annoying kid in the blue shirt and the big chubby white robot? robot. Exactly. <laughs> That's part of the cartoon Hollywood magic. <laughs> Something. Yeah, right. Well, I think it was in. Uh, gosh, was it Cold Fever? It must have been Cold Fever. Yes. That, uh, yes. They kind of stumble into Venom's little hideout, hideout there. Like, yeah, and, sure. They get uh and gets, like, who's this kid and who's this robot? Yeah. Get them out of here, you know. Even though even though Mayhem got a hold of T Bob in the very first episode of Mask and says, Mask, I don't know anyone named Mask, but I used to know a guy named Marvin or something like that, you know. Yeah. This amazing <laughs> exchange and then Scott, you know, stole Switchblade. But it's like from the very first episode Miles has had an up-close-and-personal view of this robot, but never remembers it. That's right. Well, and then, gosh, was it the first or second episode, too? He kidnapped Scott. I think it was the Star Chariot episode. Yeah, he did. He he kidnapped Scott. I don't know if he – I can't remember if he calls him by name or kind of knows the implications that it's Matt's son. Right. I would assume he did, but anyway. Um, Yeah, so we're – you know. The comics lead right into everybody pretty much knowing each other and have worked together kind of in the past. So I'm going to do one more page here, and then we'll turn it over to Wyatt and let him do the next five pages of the comics. Um, page four of the comics, uh, we start out Matt's flashback with, uh, We were all part of one organization then, founded by Miles Mayhem and dedicated to preserving peace throughout the world. Wow. Who would have thought? Mayhem is they're in some kind of like war room or or something in their uh preserving peace organization. <laughs> um Mayhem says to Matt, I'm tired of not getting any publicity for all the successful operations I've planned just because we work anonymously. If it weren't for all the red tape we have to cut through, I'd have unlimited power. I could strike whenever, wherever and at whomever I wanted. Doesn't sound very like preserving peace to me. No. Um, and Matt says back to him, he puts his hand kind of on his shoulder, I guess to calm him down. Publicity is forgotten with yesterday's headlines, Miles. We're all fighting to prevent the world from destroying itself. And again, he, he's mentioning Miles here. I don't think we ever get Matt in the cartoon. He always talks about mayhem, mayhem, mayhem. Right. And doesn't really call him by his first name. I was noting that um, 
one of the things I, I was looking at when I was going through the comics is that we've actually got a different motivation for um, mayhem in the comics. In, you know, in the cartoons, he just wants completely random different amounts of money, whether it's like a million dollars or $10 billion. Um, you never know because the writers probably couldn't keep it straight. But in this one, it's, <laughs> it's about power and world domination type of things. So that's a big difference. Right. Well, I think the cartoon would lead up to that. Initially, it was after money, but in the end, he was actually looking for his that world domination as a as a basically the end of his equation. But like like you said, though, you know, the comic book is straightforward. He just wants recognition. He wants world domination. Period. Yeah. So we start with page five. We're looking at, it looks like Andy looking at uh, the drawings. He says, here are my latest inventions. Big Brother blueprints of masks, vehicles, and weapons to surprise the enemy, deceive them. Then uh, going down further, he says, like the Trojan horse, eh? Andy, hollow and filled with hidden soldiers. Then we see Miles uh, reply, excellent work. We'll have a special meeting here at 9 a.m. sharp tomorrow. Going on to, to the right, you see uh, in the background, Miles Mayhem walking out, but eavesdropping as Andy and Matt continue this conversation. Andy says, I can't wait for that meeting, Matt. With Matt's reply, I'm proud of you, kiddo. Maybe you'll be the first teenager to get a Nobel Prize. It's interesting that they use kind of Andy as a teenager and a part of this, you know, organization. Right. Um, at such a young age. Right, and I'm wondering if this wasn't the precursor to Scott. It probably was. They they probably kind of had this story or maybe had this story uh, as a as a possible beginning and then, you know, they ended up converting Andy into instead of his brother, his son and maybe that that could have been how it all began, but that's funny that you say that, Wyatt, because I, I kind of got a lot of that vibe, too. I felt like maybe the Andy character, they decided they liked having that sort of younger, younger, innocent sort of person. Um, and if you recall, despite the fact that Scott's really annoying in the cartoon, he's also supposedly a genius because he builds T-Bob and he modifies T-Bob and does all these things. So there's a lot of similarities between Scott being a young kind of a genius, and then Andy, apparently, who is a teenager, but manages to come up with, you know, all the masks and vehicles, which obviously is genius inventions there. Yeah. So I, I agree with Wyatt. I saw a lot of uh, similarities between those two characters. Right, and that's what I thought of when I just started reading reading through these comics. is just impressive, but, you know... Um, it seems like it's also a different storyline as well, like a different mask universe is going on. But uh, I guess we'll move on to page six of the comic. The next morning, we see an inset of uh, Andy showing up, kind of scared looking or surprised. We see a fire just ensuing the building. As he's walking in, he says, hi, sorry, I'm late. But then he screams, oh, no. We see a, a man lying on the ground. Um I think that's actually Matt. Is that Matt? Yeah, and I thought that was that's what Andy on the ground. Yeah. Because you see Andy, Andy. being carried out in the bottom of the, of the, of the yeah. comic. 
So, uh, but as we continue, Miles double-crossed us. This is Andy talking. Miles double-crossed us, but he only had time to escape with half the plans. Matt replies, don't worry about the plans, Andy. Just concentrate on staying alive. So that must have been Andy on the ground and maybe Matt showing up late. That's yeah. what I gathered. Me too. A little confusing there. But uh, as we move on to page seven, Andy, Andy, he's gone. I, I promise you, little brother, Miles Mayhem will pay dearly for this. And we see the fire ensuing in the background. Uh, Matt goes on. And so that traitor, Miles Mayhem, used half of Andy's inventions to form Venom, an organization devoted to evil. At the bottom, we're back on the modern day. We see uh, the Andy doll or Andy person on the table uh, with Matt in the background saying, and I used the other half to combat evil with mask. Uh, we see Bruce shaking Andy and he notices that, hold on, Matt, there's something odd about this guy. Look, he hasn't blinked once since we brought him in. He's not human. This is a robot. So this was pretty ingenious. You know, we we saw previously that Miles was listening in. Now we actually see that it turns out. Surprise, surprise. Exactly. Yep. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I just also thought it was interesting. Another kind of difference is that. Uh, you know, in, in 80s cartoons for kids, one of the things that never happened is no one died. No one got killed. Um, yep. You know, G.I. Joe, my friends used to joke is that, uh, you know, when you shot a gun at an airplane, it was a parachute making machine. That's <laughs> because right. Because no, nobody ever blew up in their plane. No matter what you hit it with, it would pop out. But in this comic, we've already had several references to the pilot not being dead, um, Andy dying from the fire, which, you know, if it wasn't a toy insert, you know, if this was supposed to be a cartoon episode, I don't think right. that would ever have made it past the screening board or whoever was, you know, looking at this stuff back then. Right. Very PG-13. <laughs> right. Which was, uh, which is <laughs> obviously, I don't think, I don't think PG-13 came into effect until later in the 80s, but yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that level. And that uh, you know, even watching some of the cartoons today, I've my son has been watching uh, Transformers Prime, and there's a lot of kind of reference to that. And going through the cartoons again as we're reviewing them on MassCast, I think those are the episodes that really stick out to me more when they actually say like. Uh, I think it was actually in Cold Fever uh, that we watched last time about uh, Bruce. Alex says Bruce almost I think it was dying. Alex, well, yeah, Bruce almost dying, and then we get Alex saying, uh, "Don't fall into the water; we'll freeze to death, or something, right? Or we'll we'll, we'll be instantly killed, or something like that." And uh, you know, they're, it, they they kind of hinted that throughout the the cartoon. It seems like, but not real direct, and nobody, yeah, nobody dying. Mm-hmm. So, shall we turn the page? We should turn the page to page eight, and uh, we see Miles flying in Switchblade now. You see the conversation ending. A robot. This is uh, Bruce saying this over the radio. Miles replies, "A touching story." Now for the second part of my delivery to Mask. The next inset we see is looking back in at Boulder Hill. We see 
uh, very surprised Bruce and Matt. We hear tick, tick, tick coming from uh, the robot. Shh, listen, hear it, Matt. The robot's a time bomb. That's what Matt replies. It was kind of neat, though, to see how much detail in just a short amount of comics they put into this these comics. You know, you have to think about a, a robot. You have to think about a time bomb now. Um, and in the next pages, we'll see, you know, they have to kind of run out and, and take this robot far enough away for it to explode. Page nine, we see uh, Matt and Bruce carrying out the robot. This robot, Matt's saying, this robot bomb must be a gift from Miles Mayhem. We've got to dispose of it before it explodes. But all our flying vehicles are out on assignment. So who's in Thunderhawk? Exactly. That was my first question. Where's Thunderhawk? That's the beloved... He's not going to let anybody just take him out. Come on. Oh, I know. Why, why is he wearing Ultra Flash? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Because they're going to take out Rhino. Yep. <laughs> and Bruce replies, let's hustle it to a safe place in the Rhino rig. And they... So the Rhino rig coming out of the garage, which this didn't make sense, and I'm reading into it like the cartoon. Uh, they leave out of the whole building. The garage door is closed. Next page, or the next inset we see is the Rhino rig coming out of the garage. So mm-hmm. how'd they get back in there? They go out the front door, but then they somehow drive out the garage door. Yeah, but they didn't. Yeah. They had to come out of the garage door. How'd they get back into the garage to get to Rhino? <laughs> with with the bomb, yeah, <laughs> like dragging the bomb all around Boulder Hill. <laughs> this, is, this is like a Three Stooges event right here. A little bit. Um, so anyway, on the bottom of this page, we see uh, as Rhino is exiting the garage part, someone is saying the robot will be just fine back in the sleeper unit. Hang on, Bruce. We've got to dump this TNT cargo where it can't harm anyone. Which should be anywhere, right? Because Boulder Hill's in the middle of nowhere every time I've seen it. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Well, that moves us on to Eric's portion of the comic book. So rounding out the last uh, chunk of this comic, we cut back to Miles Mayhem in Switchblade. And as he's putting on the Viper mask, he says, So Mask wants to play at being heroes, eh? Which I'm not sure why he says that, because that's what he knows they do. Um, then we've got an inset panel where he converts Switchblade from helicopter mode into jet mode. And then in the bottom portion of this page, uh, we see Switchblade attacking and it says, we'll see what the Switchblade fighter has to say about that. thought this was a pretty standard page, you know, bad guy giving you lots of dialogue and attacking. Yeah, it was, it was the, the transformation was cool how they just went from a, the top to an inset to the the bottom half yeah I did notice one thing though throughout the whole beginning here and throughout uh, just like we noticed on the last mass cast is he started re- referencing the switchblade and eventually it goes on to the gator and and so on um, the title is in there <laughs> yeah anyway right. go ahead, Eric. <laughs> turning to page 11 the first panel in the top part is uh just a image of Rhino either, it looks like he's braking pretty hard because he's got some motion lines and some smoke coming up from the wheels and says vroom, which is the sound apparently the lasers are making from Switchblade as they fire down near Rhino. Uh, and then we cut down to a much bigger panel that uh, has Matt talking to Bruce saying, Mayhem's asking for it now. Mask on, Bruce. And then a thought balloon as Matt recalls 
Uh, it says, okay, little brother, using your inventions will be just the same as you fighting at our side. And this is uh, one cool page because this is the first real close-up on any of the masks that we get. Um, we saw Viper being put on in the previous page, but it was through, supposed to be sort of through Switchblade's windshield, so we didn't get a great look. But here we finally get our first real look at uh, Lifter and Ultra Flash, which is very nice. They're they're really well drawn. I'm, yeah. Yes. It's very cool. If you're a kid, I would be very excited, and I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now on page 12, the battle is uh, picking up, and we hear coming out of Rhino, fire laser cannons and warhead missile. Uh, not sure who says that. And bam, bam, as Switchblade kind of comes in for a diving attack on Rhino. And then in the bigger portion of the page, we've got someone saying, no time to clear the road. We're sitting ducks. Hop out, Bruce. All disorient mayhem with a light beam from my mask. So I guess that's Matt talking. And uh, we've got more laser missile attacks from uh, mayhem and return fire from Bruce, which both of them are horrible shots. No one comes even really very close <laughs> to anything more than picking up dust and dirt. One thing I did notice, uh, like in the first... First time we see Rhino coming out of Boulder Hill, and then the previous page on page eleven, they don't really show like the back axle. No. On the, no. You're missing. You're missing the last. Uh, <laughs> your last four wheels there on the back. Um, it's not a big deal, but it's just something that kind of sticks out when you're, to me at least, when you're when you're viewing these pages. Right. But that's a very good action scene on page twelve. Really like the boulders kind of flying the grill is extended and they're just letting mayhem and have everything and he's letting them get everything that switchblade has yeah uh i don't think i don't think on any page can you ever criticize the artwork for the for the vehicles a lot of a lot of good care was gone into that and especially if you remember that these comics aren't full size um (laughs) right exactly they're only about four or five inches tall and a couple inches wide and they packed a lot of detail into that. Yep. So I think we got a couple more pages. Next page is when uh, we get to see Matt use his mask for the first time. He says, Ultra Flash, fire. And we see a, a blast of light coming out of it. And then in a, a bigger panel, we see uh, Rhino in the background with the ticking robot bomb saying tick, tick, tick. Matt says, missed. And Bruce is running, says, time's about to run out on our robot, dot, dot, dot which he has got the solution for, though, in the next panel, as we see. Uh, he says, but my anti-gravity lifter mask will return this package to its sender. And, you know, he uses the lifter mask and starts picking up the, the robot. Um, great idea. Why did we have to drive out with Rhino, then, at the beginning, you know? To just get him out of there, yeah. It just adds the drama, you know. <laughs> you can just... You had to have some action sequences. That's right. That. Could have, yeah, exactly. I mean, and as a kid, you probably didn't question it, but you know, giving a little more inspection to it, twenty-something uh, years later, you know, you kind of go, why didn't he just lift it, you know, a hundred feet in the air and hold it there while it blew up, and then right. no, no risk to anybody. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so I'll, let's take us into this last page here. Uh, we get a great close-up of Mayhem with his Viper mask on, and he says. Got to zoom out of the way before that lands in my lap. And he's talking about the floating robot, which is uh, zooming towards him with Bruce's lifter power. 
Then we have a, a really cool middle overlay panel. It says kaboom, big explosion. And the final panel is Bruce says to Matt, he got away, Matt. And Matt says, this is only the first round. He'll be back, but Mask will be ready. And we've got a really nice kind of closing shot of uh, Rhino in his sort of attack mode and Mayhem uh, jetting away in Switchblade. And that's the end of that first comic. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good ending. Um, one other thing I took away, I th- just looking at these three comics, um, the only time we get like a, a voice command for the mask, I think, is here where where Matt is saying uh, "Ultra Flash, fire," and the rest of the, the rest of the times the masks are used, or it's just kind of showing them, or um, they're talking about it, and then it it's kind of happening there on the page. Right. So there's really not that tie into the cartoon. And you can see kind of happened in the cartoon too. It did. It's kind of went in and out, you know, sometimes as forget to mention the command and their mask would just zap out or right. Whatever. Right. Yeah. It's probably, I mean, we've been through 20 episodes now and I don't know, probably about 75% of the time they use a voice command and there's just some episodes that just uh, either Venom will lose it all together and they just, you know, will start shooting with their masks or um, it'll be pretty much everybody. But <laughs> the vast majority, they do use that voice command. And then the difference, you know, we've gone through the episodes and the difference now of, of me kind of in the cartoon world and getting into the comics world is that you don't have the same kind of uh, a picture of what's happening as their as their masks are being used. Like for instance, Bruce, the lifter mask is always those big round kind of sound waves mm-hmm. that come out, and here it's more like this green uh, kind of smoky looking uh, uh, stuff coming out of his mask. So I'm not not criticizing it. I'm just saying it. it those kind of things stick out in my mind as I'm kind of you know, back ending these comics, um, having having been in the cartoon world. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that the differences are to be expected, um, especially sure, sure about knowing about '80s kids cartoons. You know, as much as we love them, they really were a vehicle just to sell cartoons. Uh, you know, when Ronald Reagan repealed the rules uh, for kids programming about making shows designed to sell toys. That's why the flood of 80s cartoons is the way it is with Transformers, right. Mask, and G.I. Joe. And so they were trying to get these things out as fast as possible. And while they hoped they were good, I think a lot of the time they did it because <laughs> it sold the toys. Right. Exactly. Uh, you hit the nail on the head on that one. Very good point. All right. Well, you ready to go on to uh, comic number two? We really uh, broke the first one down. <laughs> yes, we did. And I, I mean, it's it's... I'm assuming we'll kind of get through the, the next two a, a little bit quicker, but the first one is new elements, you know, introduced and and stuff that you just don't see in the cartoon. So I think we uh, we did a pretty good job with that. Sounds great. Why you want to go ahead with the uh, with the cover in the first four pages yeah. of number two? Sounds good. So we open up the front cover of uh, mini comic two with uh, Condor in. Uh, Helicopter mode, flying overhead with uh, some, a, an action scene of what looks like the piranha sub being ejected off over a, a little cliff while he's shooting at a pedestrian in the in the water. And then we see, in the foreground, we see 
Dusty in the Gator boat uh, with him shooting the sonic boom back at uh, Sly Rax, which is, it's very detailed. I really like the artwork again on this mini comic. And the title is A Monster from Venom. These cover the covers might be my favorite parts of the mini comics. They they have some really great action poses. We get to see a lot of characters and a lot of vehicles, and the actual quality of the art is also really high. I agree. Yeah, I agree too. The Sonic Boom uh, kind of action. <laughs> I don't know why it reminds me of uh, that one dinosaur in Jurassic Park that spits the the stuff. Yeah. That <laughs> and it's got that kind of, you know, it, it, it these fins that kind of pop out and <laughs> you hear that rattling sound. I don't know. That just kind of reminded me of that as I'm, <laughs> as I'm looking at it, but very detailed and yeah, very, uh, a lot of stuff going on in, in such a small space, like we've been saying. Yeah. So we're on to, uh, the actual page one of the mini comic. We're looking at, uh, what looks like miles humbly coming before Matt in, uh, the Venom room, it says, At the secret headquarters of Venom, the evil Miles Mayhem is about to attack. Miles is talking to Matt. You and your masked do-gooders are finished, Matt Tracker. Uh, in the small inlay, he puts his Viper mask on. Here's a taste of Venom from my Viper mask. And then we see a little bit bigger uh, overlay here, for which there's no antidote. Ha 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 ha. And he's shooting the Viper mask, and you see Matt just incinerate if you're not flipping quick enough you actually think that poor old matt just came to his end right there but you flip on to page two we actually see that it was all just a ruse uh, right we see racks kind of coming in the door uh with miles looking over saying you have nerve interrupting my little pastime sly racks where are your manners then uh racks Reply, sorry, great one. I just wanted to report that the secret cargo arrived and is combat ready. Look, we see the smoking uh, mat tracker on the ground there. We see a small little uh, clip here with the Loch Ness Monster in a, in a daily newspaper. And then at the very bottom, we see R- Rax continuing. That beast ought to blow away both mask and the real mat tracker, not that toy mannequin you've been amusing yourself with. So we learned that this is not the real Matt Tracker up in flames. And with uh, Miles replying, yes, I'll be rid of the only obstacles in my path to rule the world. <laughs> Just another, uh, you know, Miles Mayhem not being after money. He he clearly says he wants to rule the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And then something else that, you know, it's hard to tell without actual sound, um, you know, in... In the cartoon, Sly is, I don't want to say he's disobedient, but, you know, he gives a lot of attitude. And he's very sarcastic, exactly. yes. So it, I wasn't sure the first time I read this, and I'm still not sure when he says, sorry, great one, whether or not he's kind of giving a little lip service to Miles, or if he really means, you know, he's really that in awe of Miles's power. <laughs> that's, that's interesting, because I immediately went there to... Being sarcastic. His character on the cartoon, and I was like, "They, you know, this this little hint right here is that he still has that that same kind of almost Starscream personality <laughs> towards uh, Megatron. Mm. You know, it's just uh, that 
like you say, lip service back to Miles, but that's that's immediately where I went. Right. Um, I thought the you know the whole thing with Matt incinerating was uh, another one of those that you know obviously probably would not have made it into the cartoon. Oh. <laughs> um, very cool nonetheless, and and it had had that I don't know just kind of comic book feel to me in this story. The whole the whole number two comic was more you know when I think of what a what a comic book uh, story would be that it really matched up more with that whereas the other two could have been maybe a, a cartoon episode so moving on to page three of the mini comic we see on the top panel we see uh, what looks like Matt and Bruce out on the out on a lake in a boat just enjoying the waters with another boat in the background says, meanwhile, as Matt Tracker and Bruce Sato take a brief trip to Diablo Canyon, here's where Bruce chimes in and says, this lake is as peaceful as Eden, Matt. The next panel below says, "All suddenly, we see this big, huge, uh, what looks like a uh, monster coming out, out of the water, uh, actually attacking the first boat. Matt says, uh-oh, looks like you can't have Eden without a snake. And then this, this is when Bruce replies, only this snake looks like the Loch Ness Monster. I kind of actually like the biblical reference here. Here's my own personality yeah. here. On the ne- yeah, it was, it, was a neat, it was a nice uh, uh, nice writing uh, into the story. I like that as well. But something I don't think would have made it on TV again. Ex- yeah, exactly. I, I agree with that. And, you know, I... I might be reading into this, like you said before, Wyatt, and we only get, you know, 14 pages of a, of a comic here, but it would have been nice to maybe have one or two more lines of how they got the, <laughs> the monster there. Right, I agree. On to page four now, we see uh, the Loch Ness monster now just wreaking havoc in the sea. Uh, he's turned up the water. Uh, both boats... Uh, looks like they've been overturned. We see the first boat with uh, the ones that were off in the distance. They're screaming, help, help, with uh, Bruce and Matt hitting the waters. The bottom panel, you see Matt underneath the water pushing his watch, and he's uh, got the thought bubble up that says, time to summon my mask agents to handle this baby, which is pretty ingenious because, you know, we usually see the mask computer being called up to select the best agents, blah, 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 instead of this panic button here on his watch. Yeah. They, you don't don't have the uh, the extra pages again in, in the mini comic to to really do a full call up if they had if they had wanted to. But I thought that was would have lost neat, half uh, the comic as they went through the yeah, uh, That's the true. <laughs> uh, Gloria and the dojo and yeah, I mean it would have been it would have been a lot of pages. But oh, yeah. it, it was neat. I, I like that and it, it made me think that, or make me wish that maybe they would have used that in the in the cartoon as well. Well, they did have the watches in the cartoon because that's what the guys right. would receive their calls on, but we never saw Matt use one. Right. So right. that was sort of well. Cool. Actually, there was one. Yeah, he did. Uh, he did synchronize mask watches. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 There was there was that one. There was also the one. I think it was the uh, the scepter of regime where they're in India and. He takes off his watch at the, uh, that is at the true. hotel. That is true, and it zapped his watch because of the, the radiation. 
Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, it, at least in the comics, it seems that Matt only has the mask watch. And, uh, you know, and to be using it underwater, that's cool as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. Shall we turn the page? We shall. All right. So turning the next page, page five uh, of the story, uh, we've got Matt and Bruce helping the people from the other boat back into what I guess is one of the the boats that they've managed to salvage. And Matt tells them, go full speed ahead and don't look back no matter what happens. And Bruce says, we'll get back in our own raft and lead the monster away from you. So then in a small overlay panel, we've got... uh, Matt and Bruce kind of struggling up into their raft, and they sit. Matt tells Bruce, I've alerted our agents. Hope they get here in time. And then in the final panel of this page, we see we get a real big shot of this Loch Ness monster thing hissing at them, and uh, Bruce saying, if they don't, we'll be just a mouthful of sardines for that creature. Sounds (laughs) like Bruce. Yeah, they... Even though these comics were early on, it seems like we get a lot of the the Bruce isms coming yes. already. Yeah, yeah, they they do showing through. All right, let's see what happens on page six. So we've now cut away to uh, Boulder Hill, and we see in the top panel we've got uh, Brad Turner and Dusty Hayes talking, and it says at Mass Secret Boulder Hill headquarters, Brad Turner and Dusty Hayes are alerted. Brad turns to Dusty and says, Trouble at Diablo Canyon, Dusty. And Dusty says, Let's take the Condor and Gator and hustle over there. Uh, Referencing that whole the vehicle, as you were talking about there, Wyatt. Then we've got, in the bottom left panel, we've got Brad speeding away on Condor as he looks over his shoulder at Dusty behind him, both of them kicking up big dust trails with uh, Boulder Hill in the background. Then in the final panel, says, while in his piranha cycle, Sly Rax begins his plan. And then, I guess he's thinking this to himself. I'm not sure if he speaks it out loud or not, but it says, time to don my stiletto mask and signal the monster with this remote control implant I put in his brain. He'll attack every mask member on site. So, I guess that what they're implying is that the Loch Ness Monster is not a robot. It's an actual beast that they somehow found and... Managed they implanted this uh, <laughs> this device on it <laughs> so they can control it. Yeah, again, I mean, as as in the cartoons, as they've shown over and over again, like the, Venom's plans are half baked on a good day. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. How did you manage to capture the Loch Ness monster? You know, how where's that story? That's what I want to know. And then on top of that, be able to like sedate yeah, him enough to put person. something in his head. Right. Right. Who came up with that? That you know, a piece of technology. Let's see. Moving on to page seven. It's a great close-up of uh, Slyrax wearing the stiletto mask uh, on top of a hill or something. And in the background, we can see Condor and Gator speeding off to Diablo Canyon. He says, well, well, mask agents, my piranha's firepower should slow them down. And then in the next panel, it says, how's about a little ground torpedo? And whoosh, as a uh, as a torpedo of some sort launches out of Piranha to the unsuspecting Brad and Dusty. And then in the final panel, Brad yells, Dusty, we're under attack. Mask on. And I think that just means put your mask on. I don't think he's firing it because it's not on his head yet. Right. <laughs> uh, Another good shot, though, of, of the mask. Yeah. 
And I, I liken a lot of these shots of the masks and uh, the vehicles and stuff. Like you said, it's mainly snapshots of the toys. Mm-hmm. More than, you know, there are some little subtle differences that I see that, obviously, I've got a pretty large collection of the toys. Um and I see the the likenesses more more geared towards them, and obviously these appearing in with the toys, that was probably the artist reference point. I would think so. All right, let's see where we're going next. Page eight. Uh, Dusty yells to Brad in the background. He says, "Brad, fire the Condor's antimatter ray at the torpedo." And then in the foreground, we have a really cool shot of uh, sort of from behind, angled, of Brad on Condor. Firing uh, the antimatter ray. Brad says, you got it. And we see the antimatter ray. Then in a little overlay panel, which they're really good at doing the different panels to sort of get more action into small sizes. It says, wham, or something like that. And we see a giant explosion as the antimatter ray connects with the torpedo. And then in the final panel, we see a sly speeding away from the explosion. He says, the battle's just beginning. I'll finish them at Diablo Canyon. Uh, one of the things I loved is, of course, uh, seeing Brad Turner, because he's my favorite character. And then on top of that is uh, getting to see him use the antimatter ray, which, you know, it's one of the few weapons that kind of are specific to the vehicles in the show that re- mm-hmm. reoccurred and was really useful. Uh, they used it in... My favorite episode, the magma mold to get out of the tunnels that were flooding, and That's right. all sorts. You know that that antimatter ray has gotten him out of a lot more trouble than honestly his hocus pocus mask ever does. Right. So that that, that was one of my favorite pages in this comic. Page nine, we've got Brad a close up on the uh, hocus pocus mask with Dusty very small in the background, and Brad says, "Dusty, I lost sight of that venom agent." Time's a wasting. I'll play this gig in the air and see you at the canyon. Then our next panel is a conversion shot of Condor going from his motorcycle mode into helicopter mode. And then the final panel, uh, Condor's in flight and Gator's kind of driving at us. And it's a really cool action shot. And Dusty says, right on your tail, Brad. Uh, I don't think there's anything special to talk about here except just that it's a great couple of action panels. Right. Yeah. And then page 10, back to the story, it says en route to Diablo Canyon, and we see Brad flying through the canyon on a condor, and there's some sort of wind coming. He says, these winds are holding my chopper back. I feel like a flying turtle. (laughs) Cut up to some sort of random person, amateur photographer. (laughs) Happens on the scene. Yeah, he's wearing a... well, almost Daisy Dukes, um, <laughs> but he's larger fellow. He's drawn with a bit of a belly, so I don't know. I don't know what his fashion choice was, but he says, "What a shot! A monster chasing that raft, and oh, losing my balance!" And he stumbles off some rocks into the water. And then our final panel is uh, behind the shoulder of Sly Rax. He says, "No need to wait for Miles' orders on this one." I'll use that tourist as bait to lure the mask agents into our trap. Yeah, and, and here he, you know, he kind of hints he's going out on his own. And when I finished up this comic, I took a second and I was like, well, wait, what, what happened to Miles? Because he was at the beginning of this 
comic and introduced into the story, and then it's just all racks at the end. Right. He's playing his toy mannequin of Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling the old dark helmet and playing with his dolls again. Uh, and I think page 11 is where we're going to hand it over to you, Jason. Yeah. At the top of page 11, we have a, a nice shot of Piranha's sidecar disengaging from from the bike and going into the water uh, with uh, Mr. Daisy Dukes in the background and Sly saying basically inside of the, the sub, I'll launch the Piranha sidecar sub and open fire at him with my water cannons, meaning the photographer that fell in. Then Mask will have to save him. And then we're switched right back over. We have a little uh, kind of storyline to connect uh, the two with it saying the gator reaches the lake. The gator reaches the lake. Um, we have Dusty. You know, we have this pretty cool shot of the boat launching from Gator. And uh, Dusty saying, can't wait for Brad. Slyrax isn't the only quick change artist around here. So obviously he might have seen him or, or know his capabilities. I'll activate the Gator's hidden hydroplane. Now, that was the first I kind of heard the term hydroplane. Me too. Uh, in reference to the what they usually call just the gator boat. Um, but that's what he calls it here. And then he finishes up saying, and deflect that creep's fire with a sonic boom for my backlash mask. Now that Taurus can get to safety. And you have this boom and this uh, kind of smoke-looking uh, cloud behind... Uh, dusty in that last shot i've been pretty uh, positive and happy about the art so far up until uh this page though um i'm trying to figure out exactly what is happening inside of the piranha sidecar if you look at the art uh sly does not have a lower half of his torso and his right arm is connected to his head <laughs> i didn't notice that that's pretty wow yeah and he's kind of Leaning forward, which you know, looking at the toy, or usually in this in the sub, he's kind of sitting upright, right, with his uh, with his hands in front of him. But yeah, that is kind of a it, trying to fit him in a tight space there. <laughs> yeah. That 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 is that is probably one of the bigger art snafu issues that they that they have. Yeah, but the they do they do give us a really great transformation shot uh, of Gator. They've managed to be really good about doing that, you know, to to kind of create action and motion, even though it's a still comic. I agree. And then uh, moving on to page 12, uh, we have this shot of of Dusty using the the sonic boom from Backlash, that same kind of echoing effect right towards the, uh, the bottom of the sub. I guess this is as he's entering the water, and uh, Dusty says... That ought to shake Rax right out of his socks. Sorry, that was a bad. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad Southern. Ac- I should. I could talk normal, I guess, and have a Southern accent. But um, and then we have Rax in the next upper right-hand panel. There, try a mouthful of darts, Hayes, courtesy of my stiletto mask. So obviously he's moved the sub around so he can fire back, and they do have the. Uh, front part of the windshield like it's been moved so he can shoot the darts out. Mm. This was interesting here where he's calling Dusty by his last name. Right. 
Um, so he knows who Dusty is, and they, you know, that mask agents know who Venom is in the cartoon as well. But uh, we just never have that happen in the cartoon where the Venom characters call them by their real names. Also, the darts seem to be coming out of the whole mask in general. Where yeah. In the cartoon, you remember, they only kind of came out of the little shoulder pads. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that is a, a, a difference there as well. Um, and then down the bottom uh, bigger panel, we have a, a shot of the monster and Matt and a silhouette of Matt and Bruce in their raft. And uh, Dusty says, can't fool around playing target practice. Got to stop that monster from making a meal out of Matt and Bruce as the uh, stiletto darts are flying past him. So now he's finally, we transition onto page 13. We're finally out to rescue Matt and Bruce. The, the top uh, smaller panel, it's got the, the gator boat rushing towards the monster. Bruce... Uh, Coming from the raft, it says, Bruce, here comes Dusty to our rescue. And Bruce says, right on time. The middle panel, you got the monster, and now you see that the the upper part of the this page where there's this brr, brr uh, sound effect, or uh, words coming out from the front of the gator boat, you see that Dusty is shooting the, the freeze cannons from the gator boat. He says, firing the gator's freeze ray at, at super Z temperature puts that monster on ice in suspended animation. I don't know what super Z temperature is, but I thought it might apparently, be I guess sub zero, I would, you know, super zero. Tem- I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, we got this big frozen, uh, monster. Now the bottom panel is racks coming back on the scene, shooting more darts at the gator boat. That lucky fool deprived my pet of a masked dinner, but he's a sitting duck now. He's making one last gasp to uh, to go after the gator boat. And here we have uh, Brad come in on our final page and uh, play a little trick on Rax. The top left portion, it says Brad finally arrives on the scene, and he says a little hocus-pocus illusion always goes a long way. And the next portion, we have the uh, effects of the Hocus Pocus mask shining down, and we see a big head of the Loch Ness Monster, and Rax kind of cowering up at the, the face of this thing with all the teeth. He says, uh, the, the, the implant must be going haywire. He's turning on me. Only chance to outrace that thought-out beast is to get back to my piranha cycle. So... We see uh, at the final panel there, we have uh, uh, Dusty and Brad, and then we have Matt and Bruce kind of having a chuckle, and it's showing uh, the effects of the mask going out at uh, at the piranha bike as he's getting away, and Brad says, Why, I do believe Sly's seen a ghost. And that ends our, our second comic. So what do they do with the Loch Ness Monster? <laughs> Keep him on ice. frozen in the lake. Just <laughs> hanging out in the lake. Um, yeah, that was my biggest issue with the end of this one. Yeah, I've, out of all the three, this was probably my least favorite. Um, the, well, it was mainly the story, I guess you would say, and uh, it was too it was too in the into the comic book world for me from coming from the the mass cartoon, but. 
I felt like the idea for this comic, though, might have made a good episode. Um, it was very classic, ridiculous mayhem scheme. Right. Uh, you know, change it from using the monster to destroy Matt to using the monster to, you know, uh, capture... Go after a city or something, yeah. Capture cargo ships and steal their cargo, you know, the the typical mayhem money-making schemes. And this this episode could have turned into a mask episode on for the cartoon in about, you know, with, with very little work. Uh, though in the cartoon, it would have probably been a robot that was the, the Loch Ness Monster and not the actual Loch Ness Monster because they didn't... True, true, yeah. They didn't say where they got it and they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> well, I was just kind of thinking that they would probably have to really play up the, the mystical kind of side to the Loch Ness Monster, and then it would have to have been, you know, going after a, a city there in Scotland or somewhere close to where, you know, the monster was actually supposedly to have lived. So, which they were, but I, I think you're right. This is kind of one of those ridiculous kind of yeah <laughs> out there stories. Yeah, I agree with you. This was one of those, uh, in some ways, kind of you roll your eyes episode. Um, probably a good episode to to some degree, but yeah, yeah. Like you said, uh, Eric, this is probably one of my least favorite of the of the three mini comics here. Yeah, it was definitely weaker on story. Shall we jump right into the third comic? Yeah. Yes, let's go ahead and do that, and uh, we'll have Eric. You go ahead and uh, and start off with the first five pages. Okay. Well, on the last of the three comics, we have Assault on Boulder Hill. Which, I'm not sure, is that the name of an episode also? I think it was, something similar, right? There was an assault on Liberty. I don't remember if there's a... So maybe I'm mixing those together. Anyways, um, like we've had with the other two covers, it's, it's a really great action scene. We've got Thunderhawk in the background flying past Boulder Hill, shooting out his wing lasers off page. We don't know who he's zapping exactly. And then we've got Jackhammer attempting to attack Boulder Hill, and Alex is manning one of the uh, gas pump ice cannon turrets, shooting him. And then we've also got, on the side here, Buddy Hawk's using the penetrator mask, and he's halfway through the wall, leaning out, sort of checking out the battle and uh, how everyone's doing. Um, Just like the other two panels, a lot of stuff going on in such a small space. Um, Really grabs your attention right away, I think. Yeah, this one was definitely my favorite cover of the three. And, you know, like you pointed out, that whole shot of Buddy kind of coming through the side of the the building is pretty cool. There's a, there's a lot, again, a lot captured on this cover. You got Thunderhawk and Jackhammer kind of storming in, and everybody's just kind of firing, using their mask, and a lot of action. I like the side kind of view of, uh, of Boulder Hill as well, as you kind of kind of creeps up the left the upper left portion of the of the cover very cool yeah what did you think about this cover Wyatt I enjoyed it you guys hit the nail on the head I, I this is one of the greatest covers that I like uh, out of all three uh, I like all this all the action here love dusty kind of peeping through to to kind of see what's buddy. going on I'm sorry yeah, buddy and uh, yeah I I love it Cool. Well, let's uh, let's jump into the story. And 
I could be wrong, but I felt like this story had the most dialogue and writing of all three. I felt like I was reading a whole lot more in this in these ones than the other two. So try to move through it. Uh, the very first panel is uh, a shot of Cliff Dagger driving in the jackhammer, and there's a truck in his rearview mirror that we can see, and it says, As Venom agent Cliff Dagger glances into the rearview mirror of his jackhammer 4x4, and Dagger says, Good, just what I've been waiting for. Now I can throw smoke in Mask's eyes. And then we cut to uh, the next panel, which is sort of uh, almost down near where the gas pedals were, looking up at Dagger, and he says, my torch mask. And then the next panel finishes his sentence, and it's, we'll heat things up, and we've got a real cool close-up of torch, and vroosh, as a big blast of fire comes zapping out at probably the truck. We're not sure yet. Turn the page, page two. All right, there's almost not a lot of art here because there's so much dialogue and writing, but it's at the top. Miles Mayhem, Venom's ruthless leader, hovers like a spider in his Switchblade helicopter. And we see uh, Miles' head in Switchblade in the front, and in the background we see this truck that's on fire, and Miles says, Dagger's done his part. That truck driver is unaware that he's a pawn in my scheme, just like those mass gas pump jockeys up ahead at the Boulder Hill station. Now, in our second panel in the middle, it says, Meanwhile, at Boulder Hill, Secret Mask Headquarters, Buddy Hawks and Alex Sector stand watch. And we've got Buddy and Alex hanging out out front, waiting to pump gas or something as undercover agents. And (laughs) Buddy says to Alex, Pretty lonely guarding the bunker, Alex, with every other mask member out giving blood to the Red Cross. Uh, Nice little plug for the Red Cross. (laughs) I noticed that one. Who came up with that plan for everybody to leave at the same time? Just leave them two behind. All the flying vehicles were gone in the first comic, so... That's right. (laughs) Right. Uh, Then Alex replies, It's a worthy cause, buddy. Our turn will come later. (laughs) In the final, it's, Look, that driver doesn't know that the rear of his rig is smoking. And I think that's Alex saying that, but I'm not sure because the art they're drawn real small. And then whoever the other one is replies, I suggest we borrow Hondo's truck and catch up to him before he's caught in an inferno. Um, that's weird. I don't know how you don't know your truck's on fire and go speeding past a gas station, but that's our story so far. So now on page three, we've got sort of a close-up on Buddy driving in the truck with uh, Alex next to him, and he says, the bunker security system ought to keep out any uninvited guests or customers, but that's okay, uh, (laughs) because they never had any customers except that old couple who they never, ever helped anyway. (laughs) On one episode, I remember. Uh, And Alex replies, yes, it can only open and close with a special high-frequency command from a masked operation device. Sounds like a garage door opener. Uh, That's the impression I, I got. The middle panel is uh, Dagger and Jackhammer driving up to the front of Boulder Hill, and we see Switchblade up in the sky very far away, and it says, a few moments later, and then Dagger calling Mayhem, the station is locked tight. And then our final panel on this page is a sort of above and behind Switchblade with uh, Jackhammer much closer to Boulder Hill, and then Boulder Hill all the way in the background. And Miles says, well, I've got a little freak see duplicator here that ought to correct that problem and uh, so he's going to copy and open Boulder Hill up and then on page 4 
says Rrr, and we see the garage door open as Jackhammer goes rushing in with dust behind him and he yells out ways clear and then in a speech bubble that I think is supposed to simulate more like a radio contact from Mayhem it says hurry in and collect all the masks they'll be back soon and then we have a middle overlay panel that shows Dagger uh, stealing the mask agent's mask and this is one of my favorite panels it's uh got a whole little mechanical background shop and we see dagger picking up uh alex's jackrabbit mask and then we can also see uh buddy's penetrator uh the hocus pocus mask and spectrum hanging in their charging cables and then in the final panel jackhammer is speeding away at high speeds here and he radios to mayhem mission accomplished and mayhem says good meet at the rendezvous and that'll take us to page five, and I think that we'll kick it over to Jason. Yep. So that was a good uh, that was a good ploy. Um, you know, we, I don't think we had any Venom agents penetrating Boulder Hill like that in the cartoon. At least I don't remember. Um, Best plans ever. <laughs> so bad. Right. It's just kind of going after their heart, really, and and trying to steal it, but. Um, on page five, we're at the rendezvous. Um, this is shortly after the uh, the last panel. We have Switchblade is landed, Jackhammer's there, and Miles is just about to put on the Spectrum mask. And uh, Dagger is holding the Jackrabbit mask, and, and Dagger says, What a laugh! We've unmasked mask. And Mayhem says back to him, with the use of their mask weapons, will be unstoppable. The little inlay panel has uh, Miles with the Spectre mask on, and actually Dagger has uh, the Penetrator mask on. And we see, ow, and zzz, and looks like they're being uh, electrocuted. And at the very bottom panel has Miles tossing the Spectre mask into this lake or uh, pond. And saying, those masks are booby-trapped. Get rid of them. I've had enough of Tracker's clever gimmicks. He'll pay for this. Today we attack Boulder Hill. And it's got Cliff saying, Mask will never find them at the bottom of this lake. So they are, their plan is to toss these booby-trapped masks into the lake so uh, a mask won't be able to find them. And then pretty much go attack them back. You got the garage door opener to open it up, so should be a pretty easy deal. Exactly. <laughs> First, uh, I've seen the masks being booby-trapped also. Right, right. That was a uh, that was interesting as well. Um uh, so like it, it's kind of like the uh the old James Bond uh fingerprint in the uh in the pistol grip, you know, the only he can fire it. Kind of a thing. So uh, we go on to page six. We're back at Boulder Hill. We got Buddy and Alex rushing in from outside. Matt is already uh, inside Boulder Hill. Buddy says, the mask's stolen while we were putting out the fire on that truck. And Alex says, it's our fault, Matt. Matt says, no, this is Miles Mayhem's work, but it won't help him. I've programmed the mask to mildly shock anyone but a mask member who wears them. Now, why you would want to mildly shock them, I wouldn't know. <laughs> Just <know>. zap them. <laughs> and then uh, you go down to the lower left panel, uh, a nice little close-up of Matt, 
he's pushing a button on a, I guess the uh, the Boulder Hill computer. He says, "I've located the masks. They're emitting a signal from their location. This long-range homing beam will return them to us." And then over to the right, you see the masks coming out of the water, and they have this like humming and aura effect uh, over them, like they're uh, being sent back to base. Uh, that was a bit much, I guess, the uh, the whole homing thing. What do you guys think? <laughs> I could see a homing signal. I can't see it, a mask just flying up and, you know, flying home, really. <laughs> maybe except maybe the jackrabbit mask. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> I thought it was a little bit of a, the writers kind of cheating there. They didn't want to leave the guys without their masks, but... Yeah, I don't. How would Mayhem not know that the masks can fly back to you? He was there stealing the blueprints, after all. And true. So very true. All right, well, back uh, we go over to page seven, and, and back at Boulder Hill, the same uh, the same aura of the masks are around them. We have uh, we have Buddy and Alex and Matt. Matt saying, "Back where they belong." I have a hunch this is only the first round in another fight with Venom. So they get the the mask back before Venom can make their assault on Boulder Hill. The bottom panel, we have uh, Thunderhawk zooming out of the garage door of Boulder Hill. Continuing what Matt was saying above, stay alert while I take off in Thunderhawk and recon the area. Uh, and then we have another inset of Buddy and Alex. Buddy saying, no telling what Venom will spring on us next, Alex. I'll keep guard inside. Alex says, jolly good idea, buddy. I'll be outside at my position for whatever comes along. So I, apparently as they wrote the character for Alex, they knew he was uh, British. So they added the jolly good in here. So even if this was before the cartoon, they had had that kind of mindset around that character. I like the uh, all the shots of the masks on this page. That's always fun to see uh, that stuff. And... You know, this is the first comic with Spectrum in it, so we've only had glimpses of it so far. Right. And Thunderhawk, yeah. Yeah, both of them, that's right. So on to page eight, um, we're back on with Venom. The top left has Miles and Cliff uh, with the top portion there of Jackhammer in the background. Miles says, time to launch a combined air-ground assault on the bunker. He said he continues, you in the jackhammer and me in the switchblade. And uh, Cliff says, without their masks, we'll blow them away. We have uh, in the next little portion of the, the top panel has switchblade converting. You have jackhammer going up the road. Miles says, I'll change the switchblade into a jet fighter. Hide in the cloud cover and surprise masks bunker with a steep dive. So he's ready to go in and, and make a, I don't know where this cloud, magical cloud came from. Exactly. Uh, again, unless it's from uh, the jackhammer's uh, you know, dust from the road or whatever. <laughs> but he's got this plan to, to surprise them. A little sentence in between says, and as Mayhem dons his mask, down below, uh, he's got the mask on. What luck! You see Thunderhawk kind of up in the right corner there. Matt Tracker in the Thunderhawk spotted me. I'll lose him in the clouds. 
circle and finish him off. He's really banking on this cloud thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And apparently he find, he fancies himself a better pilot than Matt uh, to circle around and, and finish him off yeah. without him knowing. Uh, one more uh, page here, and we'll, we'll turn it over to Wyatt. On page nine, we have Switchblade coming in at Thunderhawk from the top left to bottom right portion of this large... It basically takes up the whole page of the comic. Switchblade coming in and firing at Thunderhawk. You have Mayhem in his Viper mask in the upper right portion. I'm behind Tracker now. I'll sting him with a pair of energy bolts. And then you have Matt in the lower left corner, and he's got his head kind of down... Here comes Mayhem's attack. So I thought this was interesting. The energy bolts. I had not heard that in the cartoon mm-hmm. as a uh, as a possible weapon in Switchblade. I thought this was a very cool uh, looking page in terms of action and the way they have the two kind of heads of the mm-hmm. two guys kind of mirroring each other. I just it was a very cool page as a comic from a comic standpoint. Right. So on to page ten. On to page ten. We have Matt talking from Thunderhawk here. Got to take evasive action or I'll be tagged by those bolts. As we move down, you see the, the next inset here. It says, from Venom, let Tracker play his hopeless game of hide-and-go-seek. I'll join Dagger in the assault on the Boulder Hill bunker. At the very bottom panel, you see the uh, Boulder Hill gas sign uh, guns shooting up. At Miles in the jet here, and we see Miles saying, "Oh no, the gas station sign is firing stun rays at me," which I didn't know they were stun rays. I thought they were just regular old fifty cal's up there. It's kind of interesting that even uh, had the plan to steal their masks succeeded, uh, so far Venom's assault hasn't worked at all. Even with the, even if they didn't have their masks, you know, Matt's managed to dodge him. Uh, Boulder Hills managed to shoot at him. Stealing the masks wouldn't have done that much. No. But that's okay. It's a, that's it's okay. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a two-part comic. Yeah, there's the whole mask thing at the beginning where they're stealing them, and then now it's the assault part. You know, right? Yeah. On to page eleven, you see at the top of the page, and as Cliff Dagger begins his attack by raising the Jackhammer's turret, we see uh, Jackhammer coming in and starting to shoot from the grill guns, with the uh, turret guns coming up. We see Dagger saying, I'll melt that station wall with my laser cannons. As we move down, we say, what? Ricochet? And uh, on the inside of Jackhammer, we see the beams must be bouncing off some shield. I better try blasting something else. On the top of the turret, now we see Dagger continuing like that defenseless mask agent over there by the gas pumps. (laughs) I love that line. Uh, Yeah, that was actually pretty good right there. <laughs> Those defenseless mask agents just roaming around outside waiting for a customer. They must be guarding, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they must be guarding the gas station pumps. That doesn't again. have a leading to it or any. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Wonder what's going to happen the next page. A uh, gas pump gun? Oh. <laughs> page 12, and look at that a gas pump gun. Uh, we see Dagger in the background shooting what looks like at the boulders, like he's a bad shot here. Uh, anyway, we see Alex shooting back with a looks, looks like a freeze ray, and uh, Alex actually d- indeed says, "I'll short circuit dagger with freeze rays." <laughs> uh, in the inset, we see uh, kind of a snapshot of 
Thunderhawk zooming through the skies. Um, meanwhile, up above, I managed to outmaneuver those energy bolts. Now to get back to mayhem. Then at the bottom, we see uh, Dagger shooting, saying, So he wants to play. I'll fight ice with fire. So you see the big brush coming out of uh, Dagger's torch mask. And you read that kind of how I did when I first read through the comic. Yeah, I see I the arrows out now that I say it all. Yeah, I, I, well, I did the same thing. I And I kind of liked it that way. It was kind of going from the ground to the air back to the ground. Yeah. That they pointed it out with the arrows that I guess neither of us really really caught on to at first. Right. It doesn't matter, though, because the two groups aren't really interacting yet. So Yeah, it was kind of pointless to have that. I mean, you could see the double action or the, another side action going on, but it, to me it was yeah. kind of pointless to show that, meanwhile, back in the air, okay, yeah. the battle's still going on up, up in the air. Anyway, we move on to page 13, top panel. We have uh, a statement here that says, Inside the bunker, Buddy braces himself. I guess he's getting ready for big kaboom or something. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, he says... Uh, Sounds like Alex is making a last stand outside. My penetrator mask will vibrate me through that wall. So the next panel below says, you see uh, Buddy, just to me it just looks like he's peering out. Hey, look over there. That's what it looks like to me. Uh, but anyway, he says, Alex, I'm going to launch the boulder. And you see, you still see Alex just shooting that freeze ray at Jackhammer. With, uh, you see, a, like a very small Thunderhawk in the air. The bottom panel says, with uh, Matt saying, I've got to blunt the switchblade while Bunker t- takes care of the other half of the assault. And you see him firing back at uh, Switchblade, or the Switchblade, sorry. <laughs> a fun thing about yeah. this one is the, the middle panel here is basically the same as the cover. It is. It's yeah. uh, it's real similar, you know. It's it's not the same thing. They obviously drew something different, but you've got almost the exact same stuff. You've got Alex tapping Jackhammer with ice, Buddy leaning through the wall, and Matt flying in the background. Yeah, they were uh, reaching a little bit for him to uh, use his penetrator mask there. I think so. <laughs> no doors, no doors to get outside. Let me just I'll just go through the wall this time. Yeah. <laughs> And we reach our final panel of our final uh, mini-comic here. It says, suddenly, and we see a, a boulder just happened to be launched towards old Dagger. Dagger's yelling, landslide! And the bottom left panel shows a big thud. Unfortunately, the boulder misses Jackhammer as uh, Dagger has sped away. At the very bottom, we see Alex saying, hardly a proper farewell from Mr. Dagger, eh, buddy? In the bottom right panel, we see uh, Thunderhawk shooting at Switchblade. And Buddy replies, hardly, Alex. And it looks like Mayhem's forgotten his manners, too. Uh, to me, that was just a horrible ending. I'm sorry. That was uh, that was a bad ending. Fight's not really over. Dagger kind of just maneuvered out of the way, and Mayhem hasn't even left. Exactly. Yeah. And they're they're celebrating. <laughs> That's a poor decision, if you ask me. I would wait till the bad guys are gone, or at least. Yeah. Before you start laughing at them, yeah. Right. 
Well, that about wraps up the uh, our comic review. I think we did a pretty well, pretty well got every uh, every page and every point, uh, guys. Uh, did you guys have a, uh, a? We did the whole poll, you know, on the blog asking which ones were your favorites. Um, Eric, let's start with you. What What did you take away? What was your favorite of uh, of these or favorites? Wow, you know, I have I have favorite things about each of them. I felt like the first one has the best story. Uh, I thought it had the most complexity, and it was also it, it had the least problems. Uh, as you know, we discussed the second comic. Where did they find the Loch Ness monster? What did they do with him at the end? We never know. The third one, uh, you know, there's the mess of the whole stealing the masks and then they have a homing beam and then the last one you know dagger and mayhem haven't even really left yet um so the first one really had the best story for me i felt like the second one probably had the best artwork uh it had a lot of vehicles and action shots and that was really cool and then i felt like the third one had the best uh, sort of sense of a comic book in terms of the way they laid out the pages and did a lot of that stuff. So good and bads in all of them. Uh, all three of them have really good covers, and it's pretty hard to complain about them when you consider that they were free comics inserted into a kid's toy. Agreed. What say you, Wyatt? I'd have to agree with Eric saying that the, uh, the very first comic was probably the best out of all of them. Um, as some of you know, I really like origin stories, and um, to me that helped, uh, even if it isn't quite the cartoon style in, in some respects, but it's still an origin story, and I like that we get to learn where Mask came from. Me too. Uh, the rest of them, there are good and bads, like you pointed, Eric, but I think the first one was really just the best written, very well laid out. Uh, even the artwork, uh, and I'm not much of a comic book uh, reader at all. I, I actually enjoyed the artwork on the first one, probably more so than the rest of them. Just like I said, if it, the first one I would if we did the one to five, that would be my five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, we haven't got many votes this week in our little blog poll, but um, half the people that did vote, voted for number one as, as part of their favorites, and it got the, uh, the the highest percentage of all three, with uh, third comic getting 30%, and then uh, the second comic getting 20%, so I'm kind of along those lines, I think the the first and third ones were, would, would be the ones that I, I believe they were the ones that I voted for out of these three as my favorite, my personal favorites. But I, I'm along the same lines wide as I, I enjoyed getting that origin story. And it makes me wonder if maybe this, you know, even a, a flashback or something like this was up for putting or starting in the cartoon at some point. We really don't know when exactly the timeline was, but it would be interesting to think if you know, maybe the writers were were thinking of putting this in or or just using this as the the kind of beginning to give the kids in the toys and just kind of go from there with the cartoon but right it'd be interesting to get inside their heads now 
I do want to. I do want to compliment whoever worked on these comics. Um, you know, I know we're doing a review, and there's there's some critical comments along with the with the positive ones. But I think that these books in general are really cool. They have great artwork, great action, and you know, remembering that they're aimed at kids between the ages of you know six to twelve, something like that. Um, I think that they're they're really well put together for that kind of a uh, an audience. Right. I definitely agree. And I yeah, I give them a general thumbs up. It's not <laughs> the second comic, which is a little bit more on the iffy side. I think as a young kid, it was still really cool. And yeah, you know, all all of them in general were were something that I was excited to open up with my toy. Yeah, and I think the fact that they never really put anything on the box like uh, free comic inside you know or something like that so it was like a total surprise yeah to people getting the toys that they had this extra little you know comic in there what the kid's gonna say oh this is crap you know right. <laughs> who cares you know and sometimes you do that and you there might have been some people you know if you're like me you rip it open to get to the, the vehicle and all the instructions and stuff you just leave in shreds as you're getting to the vehicle but it was something neat, but just like the, uh, the the large posters and the, I think it was in the series two vehicles they put that huge calendar in there oh, with all the vehicles. Favorite, I put those up on my walls. I, even after even after the years passed by, I didn't care. <laughs> were, those were so cool to me. Yeah, yeah, it was you know it was like having a, a large blown up page of the Sears catalog <laughs> yes. in your room. So I, yeah. Obviously, you know, going back now, 25 or whatever it is now, 28 years later, and critiquing them, we see a. I think we only saw what one little error in the in the artistry itself, and uh, yeah, we all still agree that this, it was just great to to have these in with the toys. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Well, Eric, you want to uh, send us off with a, a couple parting shots about uh, maybe what you got coming up with BoulderHill.net or. Anything in general? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, like I said, I early at the beginning, uh, I did I did go through a move recently, so unfortunately, I haven't had as much time for the site. But uh, I'm getting pretty settled in now, so I hope to be able to return to uh, my regular scheduled program. Uh, I've still got some toys that I need to add on, and uh, you know, after doing this episode with you guys, um, I'm motivated to put up. Uh, scans of the original four issue DC miniseries, which I've got ready and I just haven't loaded onto the the website yet. So very nice. Um I I might have to figure out a new layout for it just because putting up every page takes up a lot of room. But uh right. sure I can work something out. Uh, I'd also like to remind anybody listening um that if you want to read these comics and you haven't looked at them yet, you know, please jump on over to boulderhill.net and Take a look at the comic. Take a look at the rest of my site. Uh, you know, it's it's out there for the fans. It's not for any kind of profit. Just like you guys, you know, we're just uh, just a couple of geeks who like to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can speak on behalf of Wyatt and probably everybody listening that uh, we appreciate you posting that material up there. You know, just for quick reference or or, or just to just kind of rediscover those comics. And I finally joined the uh, technologically advanced uh, world, and I bought myself a tablet. So I've been, I've, I've hooked into your feed. So 
you know, as you post some stuff on the front page there, like I think the most recent one, you had some tips on uh, restoring some of the vehicles and yeah, that... and the other half was the uh, was the interview with with Scott from the his mask uh, comic site. Um, I'm going to try to keep pushing those forward on the on the Facebook page as well as uh, some of the other mask sites that that I follow just to keep you out there. Yeah, but uh, it's a great site, and you know, I was talking. I was actually uh, emailed uh, Scott back and forth from uh, the Mass Comics blog, and you know, we're all in this to kind of network together. We're not really in for any kind of competition, even though he's writing his own script and everything alongside us. But it's all about networking and, and keeping Mass going, and and uh, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Thanks. It's a small community, and in some ways that makes it harder, but in some ways that makes it great because, like you said, uh, you know, there isn't really competition amongst us. There, there's not enough of us out there that we can afford to compete. Uh, people who are really into the mask and want to keep it alive, um, unlike some of the other 80s franchises that, you know, I'm sure everyone knows that the, the Transformer world is huge, and it's right. easy to get lost in it uh but the mask world is a much smaller place um and it makes the people in it i think all the more special and all the more committed so i agree i agree well we appreciate you coming on again and you know i guess in nine episodes you'll be back Uh, (laughs) Um, (laughs) we will uh i'm hoping eventually Wyatt and i have been working on a schedule for mask cast in 2013 and we do have the the dc run on our radar so we indeed might have eric back on again to uh to go over some of the the first series of of comics and then uh, i think we might shoot for uh next year actually to get through the uh the nine uh, comic series well it was Uh, a pleasure to be on the show and uh you know if if i'm back in nine that'd be great and i would come (laughs) back sooner if you guys need me for anything uh the mass cast is definitely something that I always look forward to. Well, we appreciate the uh, the kind words, Eric, and you know we are we are here for the fans and you know to keep the mask uh, franchise alive and, and going. And one other thing we might try to do with Mask Cast is uh, is get the older episodes posted to where people can download them because we've had a few people comment that you know our Mixcloud archive we just is just basically streaming Correct. and uh, with our uh, our limited budget <laughs> uh, we're, we're I'm going to check into a couple different sites that hopefully we can uh, we can backlog those for people to download as well so uh, we'll have uh, everybody looking forward to uh, hopefully to that in the future and uh, in our next episode Wyatt we'll be going over episode 21 of the uh, the cartoon series entitled Mardi Gras Mystery. And uh, in this episode, the mask team enjoys a New Orleans Mardi Gras but finds Venom there trying to steal the formula to a super fuel. That's so we are, uh, we'll be back in the States. Yes, I think uh, I haven't looked ahead, but I'm hoping that there's more stateside episodes than our uh, overseas encounters like we had with this yeah. last batch. I think there's about it's about 50-50 uh, with this stretch up through episode 30. So be interesting to uh, to look forward to, partner. Yes, I agree. Well, we want to thank Eric once again for coming on board and being a part of our our humble 
MassCast. Uh, we really enjoy having you on with us, Eric. And uh, on behalf of Jason, this is Wyatt, and we'll see you next time on MassCast.